before we start, I just want to share a text that I got this afternoon um, from someone who comes here as part of his family for a while. And they've said this, uh, they, they thank me for the word, they said, what a word, it's incredibly liberating, thank you. I've seen my will, seen it sitting on the throne of my heart. I see how it operates, and I can see that I can't, in capital letters, change it. But I see his power coming for it. I'm on my knees praying because I have seen that I haven't been seeing. I've seen that I haven't been seeing. I've only been seeing to a measure. But eternity, how vast the horizon. If our will isn't broken, then we can't love him and people in the way that fulfills the great commandment, right? Therefore, we will not experience the fullness of our inheritance now or in the age to come. We will miss it. We will be ones asleep, not reigning with him, but will be covered by his love. So then if we admit and realize that our will is still operating, our position is then to be on our knees crying out in repentance until his power comes and breaks our will so that love can then control us. Paul found that position and he wrote it in 2 Corinthians 5.14 where he said, love controls me. For I no longer live. I no longer live because I was crucified the day I received love. So I, meaning the will of man, no longer lives. I am now positioned, ready to receive more of love. Because it's not just a one-off hit. This is an ongoing formation of love being perfected in the vessel that God has chosen for love to sit. And that's why God gave us a physical body. He gave you a physical body so you could know love. How was God going to get his church on the earth? How was he going to do it? He was going to come along and fill people with his spirit. So then his family could then demonstrate his wisdom. Do you know that's why you were given life? You were not given life to live for yourself. You were not given life for you to have your own physical family. You were given life that you would become the family of God. How was God going to get his family on the earth? He was going to fill his people with his spirit and his word. True worshippers will worship in what? Spirit and truth. Which means I cannot do that without being filled with that before I then live that out. So the reason why you've been given a physical body is not to raise up a physical family. It's to be part of the spiritual family of God on the earth. Then you may or may not have a physical family, but not before the reason why I gave you life. Powerful, eh? That's deep too. And see what it does, it unearths us, it unanchors us out of earth. And then it repositions you and then sends you back to earth for others to be unearthed, unanchored, and then receive a message that actually transforms the heart and the mind. Now we are positioned to release the manifold wisdom of God where? On the earth. To which the heavenly realm... How does that work? Because they understood 
and they came into just knowing me and knowing why I gave them life. And so in your notes, we're going to look at the age to come. The age to come. One of the questions this morning was, how well do you know the age to come? If I was to say and ask one of you to come up and start sharing about the age to come, not just Jesus' return, okay, life after his return, the eternal life that he has predestined for us to live out and from. How well could you come up and explain the age to come? And then how much would you value that if you knew it? See, everything's based on value, isn't it? Everything is based on the object of our affection. We were just having an awesome dialogue, me and LJ, before. And she was saying, can I just share some of that about the phone? And she was saying that she's got a brand new phone. And she knew the phone was coming on the courier. So she was waiting all day for the knock on the phone because most couriers just knock on the door and then run. And sometimes they take the parcel with them, don't they? Because you need to sign for it. So she said she was waiting in anticipation of the knock on the door the entire day because she didn't want to miss the courier who had the new phone. Because the phone becomes an object of our affection. There's nothing wrong with a phone. But when it becomes the object of our affection, that can then get entangled. And I said to her, isn't it funny how sometimes we love things that actually entangle us? And we don't love the one who disentangles us. And so the challenge is, if we truly know who he is, are we waiting for the knock at the door every day? Do we get up and do we open the door because of the anticipation and the expectation of what he wants to say and what he wants to share, which is going to bring us into this kingdom life now, but also prepare us for the age to come? And see, what we've done, and I've said this before, is because we don't have ears and eyes for the stuff, we just write it off. And we don't look at the whole counsel of God. We only look at the bits we understand. But there's a whole purpose. And Paul said, I don't shrink back from declaring the entire counsel, the whole counsel of God. So as children, it's about growing and having the right food source at the right time, is it not? So the Bible talks about the pure milk, and pure milk is right in season. But then we're transitioning from pure milk to meat. And it's like the natural, if I'm 30 still sucking on milk, (laughs) that'd look funny, wouldn't it? eh? (laughs) That is an issue, isn't it? 30-year-old man looking for the bottle rather than eating meat because I've got teeth to eat meat. And so this is meaty stuff. This is real meaty stuff. And so we need spiritual teeth to eat spiritual meat. And as you eat that meat and drink that drink, it forms life and sight. And now you start to see the age to come. Not only that, you see your role in the age to come as a son of God. Who creation longs to be what? 
revealed. And you and I have a mark, 1969 to I don't know, for me. And I've got to make the most of my mark here. So the ace to come becomes my reality because I made the most of my mark while I had breath here. In a flesh suit, in a body suit that God put his spirit in in 1997 and said, son, I created you for me. And I created it you would be a demonstration of me on this earth while you are here. But that is not the whole counsel of God. It also goes into the there, which you can know now. And it's called the age to come. So there's this age in Christ. And then there's this future now age. And both are now. But one is physical and the other one will be a reality in that age. But I can know it now. Did you hear that? So it's future now, and one is now now. But both are hidden in the unseen one called Jesus. So unless I'm coming onto revelation upon revelation upon revelation of the Messiah, I will not have entered into it. Which means I can't partake of something I haven't entered into, correct? Because I don't even know it exists. So what I value and the object of my affection will be the one I know. And if I know more than me than him, then I, I will be the object of my affection. See the bondage of that? Because there's no life in Greg Simnor. He was to die the day he met Christ. Yeah? So look at 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. If we... Everyone say we have hoped in Christ in this life only. We of all men are most to be pitied. If the church, put the church under we. Because he's talking to the church, is he not? He's talking to the church at Corinth. If you, church, have hoped in Christ in this life only then you are to be pitied more than lost people. All men. Is that a wake-up call? We talked before about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God, the knowledge of God that actually directs a man and a woman is the starting point of wisdom, and wisdom is a life demonstrated. So the understanding of this that Paul is saying in one verse, if you, church, have hoped in Christ for this life only, you, church, are of all men most to be pitied. More than those that don't even know about this life. Because you never entered into the fullness of what was for you. See, here's the thing. If I'd said to everybody that today at five o'clock, you're all getting $10 million dollars. How many people, you reckon? We'd be out the door, down the road, down the road, and probably blocking the highway. Why? 
because everyone has a value for $10 million and they know what they can do with $10 million and you would have started spending it before you even got here because it was guaranteed. You would have planned, bought, gone online, done everything. You'd be off to here, off to there. Why? Because you know the value of $10 million and it's your way. Even though you haven't yet received it, you know you're going to get it, James. Well, what about this? This is finished. This is done. It's ready to be given. All the Israelites needed to do was enter into the land. That's it. But they turned up and went, oh, you're big. I thought you weren't supposed to be here. No, they were going to be here, but they were defeated. Do you know they're defeated? No, they look very big and scary and threatening. No, they're defeated. No, no, they look very big and scary. No, they're defeated. No, Lord. Yes, Greg. Belief, unbelief. So they never entered in and received the cities that they never built, the cisterns that they never dug, the vineyards they never planted. They never entered in and partook and accessed and possessed what was theirs and then received it, lived from it because of unbelief, because they didn't value what was being said because when it was said, they couldn't hear it. And because they couldn't hear it, they couldn't partner it with faith. And faith sees what is and agrees with what he says. So he went next. It's you now. It's you. It's your opportunity. The Israelites, for a period of time, missed their chance. So now I turn to the Gentile. And I go, hey, Gentiles. Hey, Gentiles. Don't be like them. Learn from them. Although washed in blood on doorposts, baptized in water, did not believe and were in unbelief. Hey, although you have been washed in blood, baptized in water, are you still in unbelief? If you all we have in this life is this life. We are to be pitied more than all of mankind because there is an age to come that is just as real as this age. It is just as alive as I'm speaking to you right now. It's just in an unseen place. But if you have faith, you have seen her, you have brought her from that realm into this realm through his power and you live in accordance to both. You see, the two have become one. It's not two, it's one. And that defines here. So the macro plan of God defines my life here. So when this turns to custard as it is, I'm not anchored to this because I've seen there, which is really here, even though I'm not physically there. Did you hear <laughs> this is how amazing God's plan is for us as a people. Not an individual pursuit of being the greatest whatever you want to be. God's going to use all our jobs. 
He's going to use the things that we do. What for? We're all undercover agents in the world. Some of us are hairdressers. Some of us are mums. Some of us are dads. That's what we do full time. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are professors. Some of us are pastors. Some of us are this. Some... But that's not it. That's not it. What it is, is being transformed into the image of him. And through that, you now express him as a father, as a teacher, as a photographer, as a sportsman. You get to release the manifold wisdom of God, the fragrance of God, into the earth through the thing you're doing. But what you're doing ain't it. And we need to get set free of that because there are churches preaching that is what it is. And so it limits and you think it's about purpose, not fellowship. And so you miss the age to come because all you have eyes for is becoming 80 years. And then that 80 years runs out and you go, what next? And you go, oh, there's a problem. Because we're all going to stand in front of this judgment seat. And he goes, and he's going to see it all. And the first thing he's going to ask you is not what you did. He's going to ask you, did you love me? Did we have fellowship? Did we become one? And then he's going to say, did you love like me? Did you love your fellow brothers and sisters? Who, by the way, you're in covenant with? A blood covenant. Did you love them and did you lay your life down like the son did for you? Did you follow and imitate the pattern of the son because you're a son and he called you brother and he wasn't ashamed to call you brother because he covered you and then he empowered you to live exactly the same life as the son? How did you go with that? I was off trying to be the best professional footballer player I could be and then maybe share Jesus in the changing room after the game. I was trying to perfect the art of being the best CEO for a business and make all these money so I could go feed the poor. Is any of that wrong? No. Is that the goal? No. But out of that, out of the goal, out of the purpose, that will flow. But it flows from Him because every work is a work done by faith, not flesh. Not through Greg's initiative, but God's initiative, empowered and led by the Spirit. So everything I do is from a place of R-E-S-T, Sabbath rest, which I must enter into, otherwise I'm going to be outside of it like the Israelites. Hebrews 3 verse 4. So why, if Joshua led them into the promised land, why did he speak of another day that was still to come? Because the Christ had not yet come. In the physical form, he was with God at the beginning. He was through with them through all the wilderness, but he had not yet turned up in his physical form to give you Sabbath rest and cease from your works. It's Christ. Rest is Christ. He is the fulfillment of the entire thing. And so as you enter into this in Christ, this whole realm opens up because you're in the one it's contained in. 
The Holy Spirit just shows you, the eyes of your heart get enlightened into the things Paul wrote about. The knowledge of God. The inheritance for the saints. Do you know your inheritance? 10 million bucks, you know that, eh? But do you know your spiritual inheritance? And are you living from it now? Although you haven't yet physically sat down with Christ on his throne, not next to him, on his throne, you are. Are you living from that inheritance, even though you're physically here on earth? Because we're called to, yeah? Seated where? What do you think that means? Well, I'm seated in heavenly places, but I live like I'm on earth. No, it means spiritually you are to see from above. Yes? Heaven came to earth with a kingdom. Tracking? So if you're in that kingdom through being born of fire and power, then you enter into that kingdom and you get to see as the one who sees who's the king of that kingdom. Jesus was on earth, but really he was in heaven. So he lived as if he was heaven, but physically he was on earth. Heaven was in the man. So heaven is to be in us. Well, we're waiting for our ticket to go up there. He's going, I put it in you. No, 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 I'm waiting to get to heaven. Mate, heaven is in you. No, it ain't. No, that's right. No, it ain't. You're right. It's not. It's just a principle you say yes to and you haven't had the revelation of. Because you're still living. Your will has not yet been crucified by my power. And so the age to come sounds amazing. You say yes intellectually, but you don't live it. Because you can't live it until I reveal it in you. But you hear about it and it sounds amazing. And so then turn and be found crying out like the text. Asking. For the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who earnestly Seek with what? All their heart. What do you think he's going to reward you with? And what's in himself? Everything. The age to come. On the revelation of the Messiah, I will build my own church, thank you. Greg, it is not your church. I can't stand it when you use the language, your church. I can't stand it when people say they come to the church. I love and have grace for it, but they're being led astray because they think it's about coming to a building and they miss it's them. So when you think it's about coming to a building, do you know what your life looks like? It looks like coming to a building. What you honestly believe, you think, and what you think, you speak, and what you speak, you honestly live out. So your life will tell you if you think church is coming to a building, your life will tell you if you genuinely believe you are part of the church. And if you believe you're part of the church, then you're part of covenant. And you understand that the covenant has certain instructions. 
What covenant did I say is the context for this? Right. So what is the first instruction of the covenant of marriage? It's called a commandment. How are you going with that one? Because it's going to define the age to come. You tracking? Okay. We stand in front of them. There was a covenant in blood established. And the first instruction of the covenant was not the Great Commission. wasn't how many miracles you do. You can do miracles, Lindley, and not have a clue who Jesus is. You can prophesy to the cows come home and see visions and not know who Jesus is, which means you can't love Jesus and people. And you're going to stand before him. He's going to say, so how did you get on with the covenant? And did you keep the great? And maybe we're going to go, what? There was a commandment. Was there a command? All I got told about was the commission to go make disciples. What are you going to make him into? Whose image are you going to make him into if you don't love him and don't know him? I'll tell you, your own. They're going to look like you. They're going to sound like you. They're going to look like me because I'm going to make disciples into Greg Simnor's image. They're all going to be good looking. Oh, that was a bit harsh. And then it got louder. Woo. I didn't even hear an amen from my wife. This is a tough audience tonight. You're all going to love Liverpool. You're going to try to dress like me. You're going to sound like me. You're going to try and copy me. Why? Because I'm making you into my image. And you've bought into that because you think that's what it's about. Come on, they're everywhere. Little mini-me's. You lose you. You lose your personality because you're trying to be someone else. And it don't work because it's really weird, isn't it? Isn't it? It's really weird when you expect to see that person and all of a sudden you look around and see a whole room and it's not that person who you know. But it's a whole lot of people copying that person because somewhere along the line they missed the great commandment because they didn't know God because you can't keep the great commandment unless you know God. And to know God you've got to lose your life. But what you can do is you can keep the great commission without losing your life. And if you are, you're to be pitied more than all men because you'll never know the life to come. Because to know the life to come, you need to have lost your life. See how it's all integrated and he brings you back to this thing called you can't do it without me. So why are you trying? (laughs) He just brings you back to that place. So he's covering until you're ready to fully surrender. But I'm committed. Yep, you're committed. And I've done. Yep, you did. Problem is, son, you're just not surrendered. You were committed, but your commitment was defined by you. We're going to look at that in the next passage. Matthew, 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 do you like it? Mark. Mark 10, 28 to 30. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers 
or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for whose sake? My sake and for the gospel's sake. But that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with, ignore, (laughs) and in the age to come. So we have this thing, don't we? What am I going to lose if I follow Jesus? I go, what are you going to gain? I regain here. I'm going to gain what? Brothers and sisters of the what? Spirit. I might leave behind my natural Simnor family, but God has a new family for me called the body of Christ. They have mothers in them. They have fathers in them who are going to raise me up into the ways of God because God is raising them up. And it's this beautiful cycle. It's just a family. So I join a family. So I might leave a family but I find a family. I might leave a position, but I find the Christ. Which one's better? And it's preparing me for this age to come because Jesus said, those who have left all this will not only get a hundredfold that now, but in the life to come. Matthew 6. Seek first what? Because why? Why do you seek food? And why do you seek clothing? When life is more than food and clothing. Like, have you been arrested by that scripture? And I mean really arrested. Apprehended. Like, what is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. There's more to life than the basic commodities you need as a human to survive. I know you need these things. Did he not say that? I know if you don't eat physical food, your body will slowly perish and die. I know you need water. Without water, which is the main commodity of what we're made up of, you will die. But life is more than this life. Hello. Now, let me give you an example. The birds. You come around at our house, man. The birds are not worrying about anything. The tuis just sing all day long and chase one another. It's beautiful. They're not worrying about food. They're not worrying about the internet working. They're not worrying about this or whether Liverpool's going to win the league, whatever. They are enjoying themselves, created as they've been created to live. That is to be you and I. He says, Does not the sparrow even worry? And how valuable is the sparrow? And I've created you. You're the apple of my eye. You are my beloved creation. And yet you worry about things that I told you not to worry about. Why? Because the object of what you value and love is who? You. And when it's about you, you start worrying about you. You start worrying about not having enough. Correct? And so you go on a journey to provide for yourself storehouse after storehouse after storehouse, correct? Why? So you can live in comfort knowing that you've got enough for tomorrow, correct? And you've just sabotaged your entire Christian walk. Come follow me. Where are we going? Don't ask. How long are we away for? You don't want to know. 
How much is it going to cost? Dumb question. <laughs> oh. Here's the thing. There are some times when you don't ask questions. You just act. And the reason why you don't ask questions, because while you're asking the questions and he doesn't give you the answer, your trust starts to diminish in what you heard. And all of a sudden now a week's gone by and you've had time to process that. You've had time to think about that. You've had time to think about why it all won't work. And you take yourself out of come follow me. But you feel good about it because then you can control it. And you've just sabotaged the life to come. See? So you don't receive the promise of what he says because if you're following him, you're following him for what you can get from him when you should have lost your life. Because if you're following him for what you can get from him, that's for your sake. And he said, you've got to follow me for my sake, which means you have to have lost your life. If you follow him with any sort of agenda that's selfish, self-centered, he knows it. He's amazing. He will still love you in that, but he will work with you in the hope that you will see that motive, which is demonic and fleshly. You will repent of it so you can receive him. Then you get free of you. So now while you're following him is for his sake because you have lost your life. You are surrendered and committed. Too many Christians are committed but they're committed from their own reality. So they go, I will give you, God, this amount of time. What if I want more time? Well, you don't have the right to ask that of me, God, because I'm committed and I've given you an hour. Well, I want an hour and five minutes. Well, that's not how it works, God. Oh, okay. Next. He's loving you, but he's going to leave you there. Isn't that what we do with kids? doesn't matter how much you think you can negotiate with me, it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah? And he has to be like that so you can trust him. He has to be like that so you can receive his promises because all his promises are conditional on you keeping the covenant. Everything he says outside of this thing called the gift is based on conditions. So unless you keep the conditions, you don't receive what? The life you're promised. You don't get it all for free. Work out your salvation with me. The gift, Sam, happy birthday, mate. We had a 30th birthday party for Sam. He got gifts. Did Sam earn for the gift? No. Everyone gave Sam gift. But that's different to a prize. Yeah? Very different. Gift and prize are very different. You don't enter into a running race and just go, I came last. Where's my prize? Well, you do today. That's the problem. You just play for fun, apparently, and no one wants to win as long as everyone has a good time. But when you get smashed in netball 50-odd two, no one has a good time, do they? So the theory doesn't quite work because it's rubbish. You see, you don't turn up to a race and go, as long as I get by, I'm going to get the prize. No, the one who wins gets the prize. 
So all run in a race because you're going to win the race so you all get the prize. You've all got the gift because it's free. But you've got to train for the prize. You've got to discipline yourself for the prize. For godliness is profitable for what? This age and the age to come. Natural discipline is good for what? This life. Hearing it? Problem is, very few people know about the prize. And we're amazing at talking about the gift, and it's right. But let's balance it up with the other side of the coin, eh? Because this is lopsided. And this ultimately can lead you into a false sense of security. So when the other side of the coin turns up and says, hey guys, that side got you in, now it becomes conditional based on you keeping the covenant. Yes? So there is a reward on the basis of keeping the conditions of your covenant. And it's not based on whether I love you. I love you. Can we seal that? I love you. That is not the question. I'm asking, do you love me? And do you keep my covenant that I establish with you? I will never break it. Because it has been in blood before the foundations of the earth. I cannot break what I have written. I am the author and the perfecter of what I am written. I am here to fulfill what I have written before the foundations of the earth. So I won't break it, but will you? Did the Israelites break covenant with God? Do you think you can? Do you want to? So lose your life. Because while you live for you, you are breaking covenant. But you have an opportunity to not. Don't abuse love. Come into love. Cool? Let's go to 1 Timothy 4, 7. But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. Paul was pretty bold. (laughs) On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Listen to this. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, what? Godliness, because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Wow. Who's seen that before? Who's now seen it and turned? Who even knew that was there? Godliness. What's godliness? It appears very important that I know what godliness is. Because behind godliness is a promise for this life And the life to come. So I can discipline myself in the natural. I go to the gym. I'm there four or five times a week. It's not hard. I enjoy it. So I'm now actually in a desire of training. 
Now, the eating, that's another thing. Discipline, I have to discipline myself to not eat the chocolates on the table. You walk in here and it's like chocolate, chocolate. I mean, this guy here, I mean, he has more sugar on his porridge than porridge. (laughs) It's like, he keeps the brown sugar company in business. (laughs) I walk in, I go, oh, brown sugar, man. I put a banana on mine, he puts sugar. I'm like, oh, look at the sugar. It's the only way, it's the Kirkway. It'll catch up with him, though, eh? <laughs> Mel will be going, yeah, mate, come on, we've got to do something about that. That's a bit shaky, that's a bit wobbly around there. <laughs> but see, I've got to discipline myself when it comes to food. I don't have a delight. Like, I would eat scones all day long, man. Jam scones, date scones, fruitcake. If you want to wait in my heart, you can feel free to make me scones. and I'll discipline myself not to eat them, but I will. But, and that's profitable for a little bit. But there's this thing called godliness, and it's profitable for the life to come, the eternal life now that I am to be demonstrated, the manifold wisdom of God that's going to come through us as individuals and a church. But not only that, this godliness is profitable for the promise of the age to come, the future, the eternal purpose of God. Press on towards the upward call that is in Christ, for I've laid hold of all that Christ has laid hold of me for, Paul said. I know what that is. That's why it comes out of me because I've eaten it and eaten it and eaten it and eaten it and the word richly dwells within me to the measure I know the word, Colossians 3.16. It's like a food source that you eat. It's like a drink that you drink. It's called Jesus Christ. His blood and his body are real food and real drink. And Jesus said in John, if you eat and drink, you have life where? In you. And then he said in John 4, I want a wellspring to come forth from you. So if you know who's in front of you, you would ask me for living water, lady. Why are you asking about a bucket when I'm the living water? Oh, I know. It's because you don't know who I am. So I come to you so you have an opportunity to ask me who I am. Because if I pass you by, you're just going to be looking for water. And you'll be back at this well every week, every day of your life. But today's the day I interact with you and I come into your world from heaven to say, Ho, stop the bus. Here we go. Do you want living water? Do you want living water? Good man. So then ask, seek, and knock. Because I am here, and I'm in the room with you, and I'm speaking a reality of a life to come, which I died for you all to come into and know now. But it only comes from godliness. And the Bible talks about a form of godliness. It's called religious activity painted up as the real deal. Unfortunately, it is very predominant on this earth right now. It always has been because when man gets his hands on building the church, he builds an institutional model and all he can do is he can build a form of God, but he makes God into his own image. And so what you see is the image of man coming out using words, but it's still man's version of the words and it doesn't build godliness. So the age to come stays locked down and the life here stays locked down and all we've got is to live from ourselves. And we're called to be overcomers, correct? What enables you to overcome intense persecution, do you think? Sorry? You're already dead, but what do you have in you? 
You have Christ, but unpack that more. Yeah, yeah, but let's come on, let's unpack that. that. Yeah, you start seeing the age to come. You start seeing every promise that's yes and amen. You've got love, you've got joy, you've got peace. You've got the promises of the now called the fruit of the Spirit, but you've also got the millennial reign. You know you're going to reign with Christ. You know you're going to marry Christ. You're looking at new heaven, new earth, and you know you're rolling there. You know you're one chosen to reign over five cities. You know you're not one sleep at the first resurrection. You want fellowship with his sufferings. You want to lay your life down for the body of Christ. You want him more than any other human being. You want to be God's own possession. You want to be the number one of his heart. You don't want to be hoodwinked by the former godliness. It's intense. I mean, this is really intense, but so life-giving. If you know God and who you're called to be. And guys, there is an identity crisis in the body of Christ. And there's so much forms of godliness going on. But that's not going to bring me into the promise of the life to come now. Or the life to come in the future. It says in 1 Timothy 3.16 that godliness is a mystery. And it says, by common confession, so by common confession, godliness is a mystery. Is Jesus Christ the mystery? Come with me to Colossians 2 too. Some of you are like, ooh, I don't know. Ooh, whoa, whoa, what is love? Come on, we're going to have some fun. Forms of godliness. Come on, let's have some fun. (laughs) Yeah. Colossians 2. Verses 2. Actually, let's start at 1. Colossians 2, verse 1. You are built up in Christ. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, And for all those who have not personally seen my face. Paul is struggling for three groups of people. What about us? Lose your life. Lay it down as godliness. So why? Because you're being made complete. You see things and now you're in labor. This is the same passage of I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19, saying the same thing. I'm jealous with a godly jealousy for you, okay? That their hearts may be encouraged, these people, having been knit together in love. You've been knit together in love? Kingdom love? And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding? The big words, all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. Listen, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, concealed in the unseen one. 
even though he stands in front of you and talks, what he says is concealed from you for you. So you need a key to unlock the code and the safe to what's in the safe, correct? Who is the key? Holy Spirit. Can't do it without him. If you try, it stays concealed. What does? Let me read it again. True knowledge. The truth makes you free. It brings to light the hidden realm. You uh, realize this life and the life too. And it's all contained in one person. I make it very simple for you. If you fall in love with that person, you will know all these things. If you don't fall in love with that person the way I say through my instruction, you won't know all these things. But you have been given the Holy Spirit and granted to know all these mysteries. See how it's based on conditions. And the condition is, do you love me? Ephesians 6, 24. Grace to all those who love God with an incorruptible love, which is the love of who? The Father, because you worked with your salvation with God and now you can keep the commandment and the first instruction, which is a commandment. Sorry, you can keep your covenant and the commandment. Bingo. Now he says this, I say this, verse 4, so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. When the one in a former godliness turns up, And they start to preach. What do we look at this morning out of 2 Peter? And they distort the scriptures. You can judge them. No. You can self-righteously put them in their place. No. You can pray for them. You can say, hey, can we have a conversation? Why? Because you can hear the distortion because you're in the Christ. So when you're in the Christ, you hear what's not Christ. You hear the difference between the revealed word, Jesus, and just words about Jesus. Technically as true as they may be, but they're not the word. And so you can't be what? Deluded by a persuasive one who comes, a false teacher, a false prophet, who's not necessarily coming intentionally to deceive you, but they actually come from their own understanding and they share from their own understanding. It's called the thief. The thief is not Satan. The thief is the false teacher who comes teaching another way round into the what? Pen, John 10. Here's another way into life. It's not through Christ, Christ crucified. It's through signs and wonders. It's through what? Wisdom, Greek knowledge. This is how you're going to get this life. If you understand this lindley in your mind, you will have this life. Follow me. Let's go. And let's grab a whole bunch of other people. And they'll all be conformed into our image. And it will sound good till you figure out after about 20 years or 15 years, I'm not in life. 
What's going on? I'm not in life. I can't even love. When things turn up, I get worried. I get anxious. I stress. I'm not in rest. What's going on? I've been following this guy for 15 years and I don't seem to have any life. No, you got hoodwinked by someone who came who was very persuasive in the way they articulate things and you weren't in the spirit to hear it wasn't me. Those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. So you need the Spirit. If you try to understand the Spirit through your flesh, you won't hear anything apart from what you want to hear. And what you want to hear and what the Word is can be very different things. Give us another miracle. Why? Because we want signs. Well, I've already given you 15 For starters, give us another one. Do they want a miracle? No. They don't want to die. The Greek, give us more wisdom. Share with us more. Give me another sermon and another sermon. I'm not doing anything with the ones I've had for the last five years, but give me another one. This will be the one that unlocks it. This one, no. That's deception too. And then this other message turns up that says, <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I got it all wrong. It's Christ, Christ crucified. What? Yeah, we got to die apparently. Doesn't sound very attractive. No, it's not. Not at all. Death isn't attractive. Yeah, unless the seed falls down to the ground, it can't produce seeds. Oh, that sucks. I hope you had a better message than that. Is that all you got? Christ, Christ crucified. Come on, man. You're supposed to dazzle and wazzle me and tickle my intellect and all that stuff. Oh, man, I'm not going. I'll leave this. What a joke. Christ, Christ crucified. It's the only way. Paul said, man, I am God. I was crucified with Christ. Did the guy get on the cross? No. But he's telling you he got crucified. So how did he get crucified? Who did he receive? Where did he receive Jesus Christ? In him. So it released him from him. Yeah? So Jesus came and set up home and dwelt in the new vessel called now Paul, who was Saul. And it's a beautiful evidence of a man that was all fleshly and a man who became spirit. Paul is a typology of what it looks like. Sorry, Saul is a typology of what it looks like to live from your flesh. Covered for a time. Because he was chosen before the foundations of the earth. So God was covering with Saul. This is incredible. God allowed Saul to be Saul. Rodney, did you know that? God allowed Saul to kill Sam. He was more than comfortable. Why? Because God said, there's no death in me. I'll fix the whole deal. Oh, Sam, okay. Sam left physical earth, but he's with me. Sam's not dead. In fact, Sam's come home. It was a better deal for Sam that he got killed by Saul. Because now he's home. I got it all sorted. I got it all covered. Do you? Do you think like me and see like me? So live wholeheartedly abandoned to me and my ways? And the age to come? Because unless you figure this out, unless we figure this out together, not on our own, man, the age to come will just be a mystery that we never enter into. 
The age to come will be a myth that you hear about and you'll never lay hold of it. And it will never lay hold of you. And so what you see in Saul is a man who got crucified by the gospel. Jesus Christ himself, who said in Matthew eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gospel. It's what I did. It's not words that describe what I did. It's what I did you must receive. It's me you must receive. Where? In the deepest recesses of you, which is called your will. So your will leaves and he sets up home. You are now in Christ and Christ is in you. You just got freed by the gospel. And that is a work of power. So then I no longer live. That does not mean the man needed his mind renewed, correct? He was just not getting in the way of God anymore. Isn't that Peter? Like up until Peter receives power, he's getting in the way, isn't he? Then he receives power. He has his death moment, yeah? Okay. He receives power in him too. And now he's like, oh my goodness, let me tell you about what's been predestined from Amos. Let me tell you. Oh my God, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. He's not like that in the Gospels. He's in his face all the time. He's actively opposing him most of the time. And he gets some things right. Let's give him some credit, but he's still living. He has an encounter of power. He gets killed, and now he's a different Peter. Same man, two lives. And the problem is for some in the church, they're still on the other side of the true gospel. They've heard words. We've mentally agreed. We are justified by the blood, but the blood is not in us. So we say we know him, but we can't keep the commandment, which means we're liars. Now, God is covering us because lying can be forgiven, correct? See how incredible his love is? He's covering you while he shows you how back to front you might be. So you can get turned around and now start actually being what you said you were. And no longer being in contradiction to what you said because now your life is the demonstration of what you say, which means there's authenticity in who you are, which means you actively demonstrate Christ on earth, correct? You are no longer misrepresenting Him, saying this and doing this. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. Come here, I'll give you a smack. Why? Because you didn't put your mask on it. Come on, this is just the basic stuff. Never mind if someone come after you or actually lied about you. Someone in your work told stories about you and you end up in court because someone accused you of sexual whatever. And he goes, can you love them? No, man, I'm getting justice here. What? I'm getting what? You're getting what? My justice. What's that? What's that? Hear the standard? Hear how impossible it is? But fully possible? Through what? Repentance. Turning. Lord, I'm in trouble. 
No, you're not. You're mine. Well done that you recognize your absolute need for me. I want to make all this alive in you, son. I'm going to take your ashes and I'm going to grab you by the hand and then I'm going to build you into my image if you let me. We'll stop along the way because you might say no. And I'm going to wait. And I'll wait for you to be ready. And I'll ask you, you ready? No. Okay. Let's just hang here for a bit. Your mate Paul's going. He's caught something. I'm with him too. Should we go? Oh, maybe. Yeah, he'll walk with you. Okay. Hey, Paul, can we walk together? Yeah, mate, of course we can. Hey, let's go together. It's better in numbers, eh? What do you think you see them out in twos? Nah, we can do it. I can do it on my own. I don't need to be part of a church family. Got hurt by them, so I'm leaving them. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because some people don't know who they are. The fact that you got hurt shows you don't know who you are either. So you're just the other coin of that thing. Because people who know they are love on people who hurt them. This is the level that we're called to, see? But unless you've lost you, man, this is just a dream. And yet it's a mystery that God wants to reveal in us so it becomes my reality, not a mystery. And then God gets glorified. I get this life in me. And a lost world get to see God through us. So God is glorified through that. He's glorified through me. And he's glorified through a lost world seeing God in us. And the Bible says then they'll turn and know Jesus was sent for them because of the oneness in the house. Meaning the people, not a building. But unless we all start from the right beginning place and walk it out together, allowing God to do it, you can forget it. You will have a messed up bunch of people that will hurt each other because in their freedom of their immaturity, they will tear one another to pieces because I want, I want, I want, and you did, and you did, and you did, and you shouldn't, and you, and it's just kindergarten. And God looks and goes, oh my goodness, look at that son. There's an arm over there. There's a leg over there. That one left the building ages ago. This is just a mess. We ask for oneness, but man, we've got to send the Holy Spirit in to try and heal all this and to counsel all this and to guide all this. Wow. It's not quite what we had in mind, is it? Not quite what we had in mind, is it? But when we start getting this opened up, then we can become the direct reflection and the image of who? Is that not what we've been looking at, conformed into the image of Christ? It's just whether we're in that. See, we can look at it till the cows come home. We can preach it till the cows come home. They're a little way off. That doesn't mean we're in it. We can be present here tonight, but not be presently present in the process of being conformed into his image. But he wants us all. So this new life now and the future opens up.
Let me just read you Hebrews 11, 35 to 38, and we're getting into this discussion. This is what it looks like when you're in this, okay? What, you're about to, what we're about to look at here is like people who are able to live something that the average Christian can't right now. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Do you know what they're called? The church. Saints, the bride, sons, the nation, the commonwealth of Israel. They're our brothers and sisters who we're in covenant with. Called to that, to the context that's ours. Yeah? So we might not have to hide in caves, although we might. Do you understand? You might be the generation that sees the return of Christ. We might not. But here's the point. Whether we are or not, are we living for it? Because it's all here to be seen. And so he says, am I getting ready? So these people were living a life being absolutely tortured, not accepting their release, they were in chains, they were being scourged, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were being put to death by the sword. They weren't exactly in the comforts of life. All for what? A better resurrection. Well, I thought there was only one. Didn't we all get the, don't we all get the same resurrection? Apparently not. What's a better resurrection from the resurrection? And they live like this so they would get a better resurrection. Are you hearing me? So they live like this because they knew of a better resurrection. This is what motivates you to live this crazy but just Christian life. Is you're seeing the inheritance that God has already mapped out for you before it ever was. You see something that is purely eternal and it empowers and enables you to live like that. You're not worried about whether someone lied about you. You're not trying to get your way back because someone cut you off or someone said something bad or someone ripped you off. They are mere nothing compared to getting ripped in two. Why though? See, it's all about the why, isn't it? We're all about the how and the what. And God's all about the why. It's the why. It's the why. It's the why. Life sits behind the why, not the when. We're all about figuring out when he's coming back. He goes, do you know why I'm coming back? Well, let's figure out the when. Oh, it's going to be in 100 years. Eh, got that wrong. Oh, okay. We, that guy wasn't the prophet. All right. The next guy. Eh, wrong. Eh, wrong. How many predictions have there been? 
What does the Father tell us? Gordon Bennett. Maybe we'll give him a go. (laughs) Nobody knows. No, I've got a gift of prophecy. I can figure it out if I just map that out and map that out and map that out. And while you're mapping all that out, do you know what you're not doing? Getting ready. So he turns up like a thief in the night and you've tried to figure it all out with your mind maps and your ticky stags and your this, this and your this, this. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's Jesus. He turned up and you ain't ready. That's right. Can you come back? <laughs> it's too late. These people saw something that enabled a life which is not temporal or earthly. It's heavenly. It looks like Jesus Christ. He went through a brutal death and had a joy in him because he saw her. Paul tells you what the better resurrection is. Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. If you want to be part of the first resurrection while everyone else is sleeping in the spirit and Christ You've got to live a pretty radical life, apparently. It starts with love. Is that radical? Loving God and a human like heaven? That's pretty radical, isn't it? Can't do it. So I'm called to something I can't do. Which means I need a passion and a thirst for something I can't do. You got one yet? Or do you only have a passion and a thirst for what you can do? What you can do. See, with God, you can lay hands on sick people. You can cast out demons. You can see visions. And you're still sitting on your throne. And he will let you. Because what he's looking for, you're being tested right there. But what you can't do is keep the commandment, which is associated with the covenant, because to keep that, it says you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can have no other idol in your life. And then you love people because you're in covenant with mankind, because you're in covenant with the king. And because you're in covenant with the king, you love like the king. Ah, you're called my bride. You're called my equal. You're called my co-heir. Now I call you this before you are it as meaning before you can live it. But I call it out to call you out, out of what you're in. But do you believe what I'm saying about you? So I call you as my bride before you actually start living as my bride. But you've got to catch up with my word. Okay, you've got to catch up with how I'm saying. You're my son. So I've got to catch up if I'm not living as a son because there's no point being called a son and living as a slave. Correct? 
Which means I've got to believe the word, which means I've got to receive a word through power so I get my mind renewed, so I actually start hearing as he says and seeing as he says, which gives me my yes and amen because where two or more are gathered in his name, not just two or more are gathered saying Jesus, but not actually in the name, in the name, in the name. How well do you know Jesus? Anyone can say in Jesus' name. He's not saying that. He's saying, how well do you know my name? Because all authority in heaven is given to me and my name. You need to know what's in my name, me. Not just say it like it's like, oh, Jesus' name. He ain't saying that. He's saying, keep them in my name, Father. Keep them in my blood. Keep them in me. So when they speak in the name of Jesus, which all authority and power is given to, all hell breaks loose. Tracking? Because you are a kingdom ambassador in you with the authority of the kingdom, representing the king of the kingdom, and you know him, you know who you are, you know his plans and his purposes, and you are demonstrating it. And you're getting ready for the first resurrection. While everybody else just got married. Sorry about that, bud. Just bought a tractor. Wanted to go to the ABs. Wanted to go home and watch Liverpool play. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to. Do you know what all those are? They're excuses. Anytime you say but... It's going to be followed by an excuse. And while you keep living the but and the and, you are sabotaging your walk and your life with Christ. Let the dead bury the dead, but I'm too busy. Next, anybody else, shake the dust off your feet, go to the next town. Preach the kingdom, go to the next, preach. We've got to preach the kingdom so everyone has an opportunity to come into the kingdom, not John the Baptist message, but the kingdom of God, which is a different message, but they're two into one. This is what this is. This is kingdom. This is kingdom. This is not just get your little sins saved. This is what God had intended for you before the foundations of the earth. You are royalty predestined to reign now and in the life to come, but do you know who you are? And you can't know who you are unless you know the one of the Spirit who was sent on behalf of God to lead and teach us all things. So I send him so no smart aleck can turn up with persuasive words, and if they do and preach something... You hear the difference because you know whose you are. It's just a little bit serious. <laughs> Is that cool? Let's into discussion. I've written three questions, shorten them up a bit. Why are we to be pitied more than all men if all we have hope for is this life only? What is godliness? Because the Bible says it is a mystery. And why does godliness hold the promise for this present life and the life to come? Cool?